Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to Press This, the WordPress community podcast featuring exclusive content and interviews with leaders in the WordPress community, covering everything from development to integrating your digital marketing strategy with WordPress. Join host David Vogelpohl of WP Engine and special guests from across the community as they keep you up to speed on the latest advancements in WordPress. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Press This, the WordPress community podcast on Webmaster Radio. This is your host, David Vogelpohl. I support the WordPress community through my role at WP Engine, and I love to bring the best of the community to you here every week on Press This. As a reminder, you can follow me on Twitter at WPDavidV, and you can subscribe to Press This on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or download the latest episodes at webmasterradio.fm. In this episode, we're going to be covering 10 critical UX heuristics you can use to build better websites. And joining us for that conversation is Jackie D'Elia of UX All The Things. Jackie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. I love that I got your last name correct in the pronunciation and then I mispronounced UX All The Things almost. Uh, UX All The Things is correct. <laughs> Good deal. That was, the, that was the maybe the easy part. Uh, but for those of you tuning in, in this episode, what Jackie's going to cover is basically 10 usability heuristics, um, you know, frankly, that you can use to build sites that are not only just beautiful, um, but a joy to use. And I think in the kind of site building community, a lot of people pay lip service to UX, but don't really have a lot of processes and meaning around what that means. And so I really wanted to take this time today here with Jackie to kind of unpack that a little bit and hopefully arm you with the UX tools you'll need to build, again, not just beautiful websites, um, but sites that are a joy to use. So Jackie, to kick us off, I'm kind of curious, um, what is your WordPress origin story? How did you get started with all this WordPress stuff? My WordPress origin story started back in 2007. I was running an e-commerce home and garden website, and I was looking for uh, a way to do a blog easily for the website. And so that is how I discovered WordPress. I think I was looking at a couple of different options at that time, but for some reason I chose WordPress and uh, 
that stuck. So I used that through that entire process. I sold that business in 2012. And then I started building websites for clients because I had designed and built the e-commerce site. Uh, so I just started doing work for clients. 2007 was an exciting year for WordPress. That was when widgets and short codes were introduced. I don't know if yes, you remember way back then. I do. <laughs> this big moment where everybody was like, oh, I guess I can use WordPress to make a website, not just a blog. Was that exciting for you during that time to kind of be on the kind of cusp of that? And I it guess was. And at the time when I came in, I was looking for a blog at that time. I was actually had my site built on the Yahoo store platform. Back then, that was a a really good option for, for what I wanted to do. Um, but they just didn't have an easy way to publish content and um, in a blog platform. So WordPress was great there. And of course, as time went on, I realized that, you know, I could do a lot more with WordPress. And then once I had sold my business, I just dove in and started doing client websites uh, in WordPress. Awesome. And so now you're involved among many things, I guess, but one of the, the main ones here is UX All The Things. So could you briefly tell us what UX All The Things is? Sure. Uh, this year at Pressnomics, uh, a colleague of mine, Kathy Bosco and Monique Doubleman, both were at Pressnomics. They were talking to a lot of folks there, a lot of successful entrepreneurs, and they discovered that there's a clear need for usability testing, UX consulting in our ecosystem, in the WordPress ecosystem. Um, I've been working with Kathy for several years on lots of projects that we've done together. Hadn't worked with Monique yet, but the three of us got together, had some great conversations and decided that we were going to collectively bring our UX expertise to the ecosystem. So like we're your A-team for user research, UX design and usability testing, and that includes accessibility testing. Awesome. Yeah, I know I got to get to know Kathy a little bit there at WordCamp US. I remember she was doing the UX surveys around the media component in WordPress, which I know you know, and I think some of the listeners here also know that are often host of Press This. Anthony Burchell is the maintainer of the media component, who is also tackling UX from another angle. So it's really great to have these moments at conferences where people can connect kind of come away with having maybe something more meaningful than you were able to accomplish on your own. So that's really good to hear that same kind of story around the origin of UX, all the things. Uh, but now I want to kind of dive into the topic at hand, which is, you know, really how people can, you kind of mentioned there's this great need for UX expertise and practices within the WordPress community. So really want to kind of dive into what all that means and how people can think about UX relative to the sites they're building. So let's start with the easy one. Um, what does good UX mean to you? I mean, that, that, that word UX, user experience, means so many things to different people. What does it mean to you? Yeah, UX, I define UX as just the experience that a user has when they're using a product or service, right? How frustrating or how delightful it is to accomplish a task. So for me, um, good UX means a user is able to accomplish a desired task with minimum effort and they feel really good while they're using the product. Um, so it has usability, which includes accessibility. So users are able to learn how to use a product easily. It looks good, so the design is visually pleasing, but it also feels good. So the design brings nice surprises for the user. Like an example, like MailChimp, when you get a high five when you launch a campaign, it's, it, it makes you feel good when you're, when you're doing that. So that to me is what good UX means. 
You know, it's funny. I think if I asked 100 people that question, most answers would be anchored in the how. And it seemed like you were kind of focused on the outcome, meaning that the good UX means essentially visitors who are delighted and, and happy to use your software not just kind of a set of criteria. Is that how you tend to think about things? Yes, because the outcome is what's most important here, right? So you want to create or build a product, whether it's a website, an app, a, a digital product of some kind, you basically are building it for a user, right? So you want them, number one, you want them to be able to do what they need to do with it. You want it to look good, right? So that it's visually pleasing for somebody to see it, but you also want them to feel good while they're using it, which is just, puts all of that together. So if you do that, you have a successful product or you have the, the real good chance to have a successful product. It could be lots yeah, of other factors. Yeah, and that's, I think that's such a great way to look at things. It reminds me of a story recently. My cousin owns a tutoring business and she was making her website and she had designed it using Comic Sans. And I think, and she had a designer friend that lamented her for that or just you know, really railed on her for that decision. And, you know, it, to me, that was a reflection of a designer saying things should be this way based on how I think the world should work. And my cousin's point, she kind of actually kind of yielded on this, but I kind of encouraged her to stick to her guns, was that her target audience liked Comic Sans. They chose it in the PowerPoint presentations and other things they were building and using and that her audience appreciated it. And that if that was true, that that was the correct choice. And it didn't matter what the designer said with their design sensibilities or rules of best practices, that the outcome was actually to please the user, not to please the designer. Is that also kind of how you think of things? Exactly. Uh, user research is the, probably the first thing you should be doing, right? So find out what your users want, how, how users, what they need. And then you can design something that meets those needs. And for, for all designers, I've had the same problem where you think you know what's best for a specific situation, but you haven't had taken the time to do any research to find out what users really want and how users are going to interact with this and what pain points they have while they're doing it. So if you do some user research, whether you do qualitative research or quantitative research, and qualitative basically is where you're doing uh, what Kathy was doing at uh, WordCamp US, which was interviewing people and asking them specific questions and recording their responses versus quantitative would be like rolling out a survey and letting a bunch of people take a survey and then aggregating all of that information. So um, yes, those are really important things to consider. I like that. It's basically the old saying, you can't design the label from inside the bottle. You've got to get out of it and see it from the customer's point of view. I think that's a very good piece of advice. Yeah. Um, I do want to dig into these 10 critical UX heuristics we promised everybody they would learn about, um, but we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Time to plug into a commercial break. Stay tuned for more Press This in just a moment. It passes before it's noticed. A slight rising of the eyebrows, a widening of the eyes. It may be accompanied by an almost imperceptible inhalation. The heart adds a beat like a quiet exclamation point on the experience. Within a tenth of a second, the reaction has passed, but not without leaving its mark. Someone found what they're looking for. Does your website deliver impulses to act? It can. 
Intended Consequences is the podcast for digital marketers who see their job as changing hearts and minds. If you're frustrated, bored, or in a rut, it's time to spread your wings with me, Brian Massey, and my guests. Find out how successful, curious, creative, and data-driven marketers are making a difference on purpose. Visit intendedpodcast.com or find us where you get your podcasts. Intended Consequences, marketing on purpose. Miami may be the sun and fun capital of the world, but it's also home to the largest literary festival in the U.S. Don't miss the Miami Book Fair, a week-long festival featuring more than 600 authors from all over the world with readings, signings, and panels capped off by a three-day street fair. Find books in English, Spanish, and Creole for every interest and every age, from biographies and novels to poetry and comics. This year, come meet poets Richard Blanco, Reginald Dwayne Betts, and Joy Harjo, award-winning novelists T.C. Boyle, Susan Choi, Edwidge Dentica, Taya Obrecht, Julie Orancher, Leonard Pitts, and Karen Russell, plus authors exploring issues of the day such as Eve Ensler, Alex Kutlowitz, Danny Shapiro, Daryl Pickney, Ambassador Samantha Power, George Wilt, and hundreds more. Take the little ones to Children's Alley for hands-on activities, characters, and storytelling. Enjoy music, food, and fun for the whole family right on the downtown Miami-Dade College campus, November 17th to the 24th. For details, schedules, and tickets, visit MiamiBookFair.com. Ready to do a podcast for your business? Make that podcast elevate to enterprise level. Let WebmasterRadio.fm expedite and execute your podcast to build your brand and broaden your customer base. WebmasterRadio.fm has worked with the world's biggest tech brands, Google, Yahoo, and Bing, and have worked with fast-growing brands like ShipStation and GoDaddy. Now it's your turn. Contact brasco at wmr.fm and rush your enterprise-level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email brasco at wmr.fm. Let's press forward with more Press This, only on webmasterradio.fm. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Press This, the WordPress community podcast on Webmaster Radio. This is your host, David Vogelpohl. I'm interviewing Jackie Delia of UX All The Things. Jackie, right before the break, you were kind of talking a little bit about what good UX meant to you. And I loved how you focused on the fact that it meant a good outcome for the user, which I think a lot of people get lost in best practices. Um, but you had talked before the episode to me a little bit around, you know, kind of the 10 critical UX heuristics that people should keep in mind when building. Um, could you help kind of run through the 10 heuristics and kind of what they are? Yes. Um, these were uh, created by Jacob Nielsen from Nielsen Norman Group. Uh, these are 10 general principles for interaction design, right? So they're called heuristics because they are broad rules. They're not specific usability guidelines, right? So, and heuristic just means enabling a person to discover or learn something for themselves. That's straight from the Oxford Dictionary. But it's pretty simple to understand that definition. So you can figure things out without having to read a manual. Something is intuitive for you to use. So there, there's 10 usability uh, uh, heuristics for doing any design work that you're going to do. And I'll just run through them and give you a quick example on each one. So the first one's visibility of system status. So in web design, for us, we want to make sure that we keep the users informed about what's going on, 
that we give them feedback in a reasonable time that's appropriate. So progress bars, loading messages, updating percentages, you know, uh, completing a task, those types of things. A good real world example is WordPress recently changed the white screen of death, right? So before you would just get a white screen, you wouldn't know what had happened. You'd have to go research on the web to figure out what was wrong with your website. Now you get a message that says you're having technical difficulties, the admin gets an email. So that process was greatly improved by providing a system status visibility. Another example, like MigrateDB Pro, a WordPress plugin for uh, importing your WordPress database, they do a really good job of keeping you informed on the screen of the progress of your um, migration, how that is going. So that's a good example of that. The second one is to match between system and the real world. And that basically just means making sure that you're speaking your user's language and not some marketing jargon or other um, confusing things and that you're really consistent in how you present your message. So a good example of that is like a shopping cart icon. It's a visual. Everybody knows what that means. Um, a poor example might be something like, um, I'm going through this UX program and they were talking about open table. So the website, right? So you go there and it says like, find a table for any occasion. But they don't even ask you what your occasion is when you're filling in your information there. So there's like a disconnect. So something better would be like book a reservation so that they would understand clearly what they're being asked to do. Okay, number three, uh, user control and freedom. This just means that you give your users a chance to undo or redo things. You're not setting them up in a trap, that they can get out of forms, they can restart something if they've started it, and that you're providing them a way to undo something if they needed to. Uh, MailChimp has a nice option in there too, like they have a finish later campaign button so that if you're run out of time, you can just press, I want to finish this campaign later. YouTube is a great example. You can drag your video and move it ahead. You're not, having, you're not being forced to watch the whole thing. Next one's number four, consistency and standards. Users shouldn't have to wonder uh, whether what words and situations and actions mean on your website. So you want to be really consistent about what you call things on your website and how that flows through to all aspects of the site throughout. Like things like Google material design, having a style guide, all of those things, and just have being consistent. Make sure your buttons are the same, colors, things like that. Number five, error prevention. So you want to have good error messages that help people prevent a problem in the first place. So alerting users to missing information, warning them about actions that can't be undone, right? So before they do something. So those types of things cover that. Validation on forms, making sure all of that's completed. Number six, recognition rather than recall. This one basically means just minimize their cognitive load, make it easier for people to recognize things rather than have to recall them. So if I ask a question like, what is the capital of Portugal? Uh, that's a recall question. You have to start to think about it. If I ask you, is Lisbon the capital of Portugal? That basically is giving you three cues there. So you're liable to recognize that that's true. Number seven, flexibility and efficiency of use. So uh, a good example of this is like GitHub versus the GitHub app. You know, you, and shortcuts, being able to use keyboard shortcuts. So you want to make it easy for um, experienced users to do things quickly, but you also want to make it understandable for new users so you're not overwhelming them with information. So you want to provide different options for users to do things in the best way for them, whether they're inexperienced or experienced. Number eight, aesthetic and minimalist design. So that means 
you should keep your content and your design just to focus on what's relevant and avoid adding things that are irrelevant or rarely needed on the site. So some good examples like Studio Press's onboarding experience got much better when they did. Uh, you install your theme and it takes you through the onboarding and the loading and getting the demo content to look the same. That's a big improvement from where that was before. So a takeaway on that is, you know, communicate, don't decorate, make it easy um, for people to recognize what's going on. Number nine, help users recognize, diagnose, and recover from errors. So basically, this just means if you're doing a search and you get a 404 or something, offer them some options right then and there of how to correct that or how to find the information they're looking for. Don't just say you have an error. And last one, help and documentation, is don't just send people to a generic help page. Give them the information that they need right where they need it. A good example, I was doing something for a DNS setting and they had two links in there that said an A record and a C name. When you clicked on that, uh, it took you to a generic help page where you ended up having to go figure out where that definition was. It would have been much better there to just give you the actual definition uh, right to the link to that spot. So these are all great, you know, kind of ways of thinking about the experiences that you create. Um, how do people like actually operationalize this? I mean, is this like a checklist and everything you're designing? Is it more of a mentality? Like how do people go from hearing information like that to acting on information like that? I think the simplest way is to just keep the user forefront in everything that you do. So whatever decisions you're making and how you're approaching things, just ask yourself, is this gonna provide a good experience for the user? Uh, and I think that is, that is the best approach to take. So do some research, know your users, start with a good UX design, right? Build with the user in mind and incorporate those principles, the 10 heuristic principles. I don't, it's not like a checklist that you have to go through, but just kind of weave it into your DNA of how you work every day. Um, make sure you do usability testing so that you can learn from design mistakes. Um, and if you really need, you know, you can hire a UX professional to help you start to do that. And the last thing is make sure you educate your clients early about that process because uh, one of the uh, you know, challenges you're going to have is getting um, stakeholders to adopt this. Why is that a challenge to get stakeholders to adopt this? Um, may, many of them don't realize that there's like a real direct correlation with the return on your investment and doing good UX design, right? So they just, they you'll need to present them with some, some real world examples of how good improving UX design actually helps you get a better UR, uh, I mean, ROI. Thinking back to projects I've been involved with, I think one of like, like the big challenges for me were the stakeholders saying, I think this, I think that, I know this, I know that, and kind of directing the user experience around their view of what's easy. Um, do you have any like thoughts or ideas on how to overcome that with a client? I think having a conversation, and I agree, I think the biggest mistakes I've made in the past were designing for the client instead of their users, right? So just failing to properly educate the client about what's needed. I just recently did this with a client where um, the client uses the desktop all the time, but three quarters of their visitors to their website are on mobile. The person designing their page every week, this page that gets updated, never looks at the mobile view, right? So this is a perfect example of failing to really recognize that um, you need to design for the mobile. Like 
are, are, do you understand the experience that the three, three out of four people are getting on your website? So this is very deep, right? It's not just who is the person, how do they view the world, but literally how they view your site. Um, that also plays a role in how you may be designing these experiences and where you're spending, I'm guessing, your time to optimize for each audience. This reminds me a little bit of Patrick Meenan's story, who is the creator of webpagetest.org. And when I had him on the show, he mentioned that the, I think it was the AOL team at the time, way back in the 90s, were making these web pages that were just dog slow. And he goes to help them figure out why. And they're all, of course, testing them on Ethernet connections. And they're like, what are you talking about? It's slow, it's super fast. But of course, the users were on dial up. So that was actually the kind of um, starting point for him to go out and make the webpagetest.org tool. Um, but I think that's interesting because I know I've often used Google Analytics reports to say like, well, you know, where are people converting and um, how much traffic is in these areas to, to kind of identify like if I'm going to be improving something, I should be improving it for the most valuable subsets. Um, this is really interesting stuff. I'm glad we had you on the show, Jackie. Um, I'd like to unpack more of this though, um, but we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. Time to plug into a commercial break. Stay tuned for more Press This in just a moment. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. are now tuned in to the world's largest online radio podcast network for internet marketers looking to dominate the B2B marketplace. Webmasterradio.fm Webmasterradio.fm is home to some of the most respected authorities in all aspects of internet marketing. From SEO to affiliate marketing to social media, e-commerce, mobile marketing, and so much more. Our hosts travel to all stretches of the world and speak to the impact players that are affecting our industry. On air, on demand, and available on every mobile device that you can imagine. This is WebmasterRadio.fm. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Let's press forward with more Press This, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Press This, the WordPress community podcast on Webmaster Radio. This is your host, David Vogelpohl. I'm interviewing Jackie D'Elia of UX All the Things about 
10 critical UX heuristics you can use to build better websites. Jackie, right before the break, we were talking about um, kind of making sure that you were taking into account all the factors that might lead to um, a good user experience, whether it be optimizing for mobile or desktop and making sure you have a good view of who your users actually are. So I'm curious, um, I know you've been involved with UX for a good number of years. This is obviously a focus for you. And I'm sure you've seen some mistakes along the way. I always love learning from people's mistakes. So what are like the number one mistake, or what are the top mistakes you see people make um, when adopting kind of a UX practice within the sites that they build? Lack of user research, right? So basically taking some time at the beginning before you do a redesign on your site or before you build a brand new site is getting enough information about your users. So that's probably one of the biggest mistakes that people make. The other is um, too much information, too much cognitive load on a, on a website design or a page can be overwhelming for people. You have to remember that users on the web, they scan, they don't read. So you need to design things that are scannable for people to make, to make it an, an enjoyable experience for them and for them to get the most out of it. And the other thing to remember too is, is that all of these things are not an all or nothing situation. You want to prioritize what the stakeholders need and target the things that are most important. And it's like a continuous process to do that. It's not that you have to do it all at one time and you're done. It's basically just going to be an iterative process. And you focus on the things where you can have the most impact. So when you're in that process of like, say, interviewing users, and let's say you're part of a small agency and trying to pitch the client on this, like, and maybe even adopting this kind of practice for the first time, how do you know the right questions to ask? That's an art. <laughs> it's just, how do you, asking the right questions is basically going through and getting some personas on your users and then working through what their experience is and then asking those questions and asking uh, questions that are not leading, questions that give you a clear answer, right? So that you can do, there's different ways to do those types of questions. They can be restricted, they can be unrestricted, you know, or semi, so that you can, people can elaborate on questions. But going through and getting a really good um, view of their experience using something. I feel like when people, uh tack this, another kind of common thing I see is that they'll say, oh yeah, yeah, we know some customers and partners that um, would be happy to do this. And then they end up hitting kind of the same group over and over and over again. And um, I, I view also probably polluting their outcome. So like, how do you view like how people should go about finding the right customers to even respond? I feel like people kind of already in the, the fold have already, you know, maybe polluted in terms of how they might view the UX. Well, you might need to do, like, if you're looking for a group of users to interview for something specific, you might have to screen them first. So you might have to do a survey to screen them to find the exact target that you're looking for to then do the actual interview with, right? So asking some questions that can rule people out, like if you're writing a language learning app or something, and you're only looking for people that are adults that are learning a two to three hours a week or learning part-time and you ask specific questions to come up with the target that you're looking for then to give your interview questions to. And what do you think of like incentivized interviews, you know, $10 Amazon cards? I feel like yeah. 
you know, so I, you like that? I do. I think um, Kathy did that at uh, WordCamp US. So we were all getting $10 Starbucks cards for taking the survey. Um, I, oh. I think that was really helpful. <laughs> I missed out on a $10 Starbucks card. I'll have to watch out for that next time. We got people um, to, to come to the table and sit down and take the survey. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. So I think you've covered some really good things here today. Um, you know, I think obviously there's a lot for people to think about, but if listeners walked away only remembering one thing from your interview today, what do you think that should be? I think good UX is good business. So improving your UX can improve your ROI, more customers, more visitors, less support costs. Uh, I think that's what that's the takeaway. Good UX is good business. So are you implying that like good UX is better conversion rates? Is it the happier customers? Like all of those things? Yeah, I, I do. I think that, um, you know, for any business, if you're providing a good user experience or a good customer experience, it's going to be really good for your business. Fantastic. Well, Jackie, I wanted to thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Awesome. And Jackie, you want to read out your uh, Twitter handle so people can follow you there? Yep. It's at jdelia, D-E-L-I-A. Excellent. If you'd like to learn more about what Jackie is up to, you can also visit uxallthethings.com. I'd like to thank everyone for listening to Press This, the WordPress community podcast on Webmaster Radio. As a reminder, you can follow me on Twitter at WPDavidV. And of course, you can subscribe to Press This on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or download the latest episodes at webmasterradio.fm. Again, this has been your host, David Vogelpohl. I support the WordPress community through my role at WP Engine. And I love to bring the best of the community to you here every week on Press This. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.